This is a podcast from Minute Media. What's up, Panther fans? Welcome to another podcast of the Four Man Rush. Tonight, you got myself, Will. We got Country Kevin. We got Big Smooth. We're going to first talk about that disaster yesterday on our home field against division rival Atlanta Falcons. Panthers lost 29 to 21, dropped to 5 and 8 on the year. And at this point, questioning whether we're going to win another game for the rest of the year. So, uh, Smooth, I know you've been the most vocal about this uh, loss all day. But you got to get off your chest, man. I'm going to let you have the mic to start tonight. I mean, I don't have much to get off my chest. This team is absolutely basura. So I've been saying it for a while now. I'm just going to keep the train moving. It is what it is. Uh, we got horrible coaching staff. Um, this team is unable to make end-of-quarter adjustments, second-half adjustments, play-by-play adjustments. They're unable to understand that the offensive line requires continuity, and you got to have guys – to take their lumps but still be in the same spot so we can bring it all together. They don't understand that. It seems like whenever Cam Irvin is healthy, he's starting, even though he's the worst offensive lineman on the team. Whatever reason, is because that's Matt Rule's guy. We have to roll with him. Um, this top five defense, whenever the, the lights get bright, they look like a bottom 30 defense. So Matt Ryan was was filleting their asses last, uh, last well, Sunday. I don't have much to say, bro. It is what it is. I can't look forward to the future because we have no draft picks that I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm just in limbo, man. I feel like I got to go back. I probably could have saved myself a few years ago. I mean, I can't. I fell in love with the Panthers because of the colors. But we might as well be the Browns if you if you really look at it. We ain't shit. We go in a major playoff run every five, ten years, but we ain't won nothing. We don't have nothing to be proud of. So me just being a Panther fan, bro, it is what it is. The reason why y'all haven't heard from me, though, is because I was doing something professional. I had to go get my A&P license. That's an airframe and power plant. I was studying. So I've missed the last few episodes because I had to focus on my family and my career. But I'm back, man. I'm still a Panther fan. I'm still watching this bum-ass team every Sunday just like y'all. So y'all not by yourselves, man. I love the Panther fans. I love this team, but I hate the owner. I hate the, the coaching staff, and I don't like half of the players. That's where I stand at. Uh, before we get to you, Kev, do a quick roll call. Uh, what's up, uh, Tyree Ross? How you doing tonight? Uh, Luke Cage, as always. What's up? Hope you're doing well out there. Uh, Ace, good to see you tonight. And uh, our guy Aaron Chase from uh, Twitter. What's up, bro? How you doing tonight? Uh, Bill, a uh, loyal fan of ours as well. Uh, good to see you tonight. Definitely got a pathetic football team. And we're all disappointed about that. So, uh, Kev, uh, you were at the game. What was the energy like in the stadium? And what's your overall thoughts on what you saw? Well, once again, you know, for me, the energy was, you know, it was strong at the beginning of the game, you know, come out, you know, defense, you know, stops them. We get the ball. I mean, move the ball down the field, like with precise execution. And, you know, Cam scores a touchdown. Place went nuts, man. Like, okay, we we coming out the bye week firing. We done, you know, we done, we done got this figured out. We, 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 we about to go on a roll. We about to. You know, we're about to do the damn thing. Duh. Nah. <laughs> hey, man. Let, you, you you literally have to have a, a, a PhD in psychology to psych yourself up to, to go through this game. Your mind saying one thing, but your heart saying another. Your mind is like, you know, 
you know we're gonna fuck up, right? You know that, right? You know what I'm saying? And then your heart's like, nah, man, keep pounding. We gotta, man, we, we gotta, you know, we're gonna have two weeks off, you know what I'm saying? We're gonna get right. Um, you know, the energy, you know, it was just fans, your fans are frustrated, man. It, it's just um, you know, the it was mostly a Panthers crowd. Surprisingly, it wasn't a lot of Falcon fans in the stands. So, but for us to put out that kind of effort was just it's overall pathetic. Um, like Big Smooth, I really don't have a whole lot to be on. You know, I'm one of the more optimistic guys, but man, I'm uh, and I'm beat, man. I'm I'm realistically, I'm in my mind, I'm already thinking five and twelve seasons in loading. You know, get ready to jump in this off season, do some more four man rush draft profiles. You know, me and Big Smooth gonna put together some work and watch linemen that we won't have a chance to draft, but you know, we're going to do it because that's what we love. And um, yeah, man, both, if nothing else from this conversation, tonight, know it from country Kev. I'm standing here with every fiber of my being, Matt rule and Scott fitter. Got to get the hell up out of Carolina, bro. I, I, I won't tell her to do a clean slate. I, I don't want neither one of them around. Um, uh, I place a lot of the blame. On, on their two shoulders, you know, that Panther Confidential watching how, you know, Scott Fitter wanted to keep trading back and trading back. And, you know, day two, we let six offensive linemen who are currently playing, rookies playing at a good to above average level for their respective teams, and we couldn't get none of them. And then the one lineman we have gotten, we want him playing in his natural position as much as, you know, me and Big Smooth had originally didn't like what we saw on film of Christensen, but damn, you know, in the reps that he has gotten at the time, he has played well enough to at least, you know, stay at the spot. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I, I I don't I don't figure out rules going to do what he's going to do. Uh, he's going to play musical chairs. He's going to take left tackles and put them at right guards. He's going to take right guards and and put them at I don't know where the hell he's going to put them. Man, it's just. It's, it's just mind-boggling mind the, the the moves that's been made. Two weeks off, and that was the effort, execution that, that, that coming out, players fumbling the ball, um, you know, more drops, um, still stupid penalties. I mean, Panther fans deserve a congressional committee to look into all audio and video of what the hell Matt Rule and the staff did with this bye week because clearly – getting better, coming out with an opportunity to put yourself in a position to make that late-season playoff push that us Panther fans had got accustomed to and it didn't fall through. So, like I said, um, I'm just going to go ahead and put in my mind, 5-12 and 12 coming, top 10 pick. You know, we we going to Vegas and get ready for this draft, man. That's, that's where I'm at. All right, shout-out to Luke Cage. Appreciate you, as always, for the uh, super chat. Uh, Luke says, if you're upset with this Panthers team, you invested too much emotions and you had an event, you just got to wait and see what happens in 2022. You know, I'm hoping something happens in 2021, whether it be get rid of the coaching staff or something. I mean, you got to have something happen now to just get, just to build on. I mean, I know a lot of people will say Rivera didn't win until year three, but in year two, we started with three and eight, Kev, and we finished seven and nine. We got hot in December. And he gave us something to look forward to to build off of for the next year. We had our franchise quarterback in place with Cam Newton. Luke Keekley was winning defensive rookie of the year. Just a totally different situation. I thought 
Rivera had much better building blocks that we can look forward to to build something sustainable, whereas Matt Rule, in quoting national media, this isn't even Panthers media, the Panthers look like a team that doesn't know what the hell they're doing. So it just seems like a team with no direction, no discipline. And, you know, I just don't know what we're trying to build off of at this point in year two of Matt Rule's uh, career. I just want to give some more uh, roll calls. Uh, Rashawn, thank you for your comment. Thank you for tuning in with us tonight. Says, can we please fire coach Matt Rule? I think we all on the same page with that so far. I'd like to see somebody with a different opinion that wants to justify a reason for keeping them at uh, this place. Uh, KD, what's up? How you living tonight? Man, being at that game yesterday brought an anger I've never had towards the Panthers. I mean, hey, we, we had the worst performances in Miami. We had a bad performance with the Giants. It's just something we've come to expect in the Matt Rule era, it seems like now. So, I mean, look, uh, Smooth, I know you haven't been a fan of Matt Rule from the jump. Has he lived Has he lived? your expectation as always be worse than what you actually expected him to be at this point? He's lived up to my expectations because what I, the reason why I have an issue with college coaches because it's really – on the college level, it's about having the best athletes on the field. And I don't doubt him in, in that regard as, as far as finding superior athleticism to put at specific positions. But it's like chess when you get to the pros, bro. It's like you literally have to out-coach your opponent because every single team is talented. And week in and week out, I see him get out-coached. Everybody wanted – Rivera out of the door, which, you know, I wasn't against per se, but I just felt like if you're going to get rid of Ron Rivera, have your upgrade in place. We never had an upgrade in place. So you go out and get a guy like Matt Rule with with very little NFL experience. I mean, he was with the Giants, you know, helping out with the offensive line. But that's not a lot, man. A couple years in the pros is not what it takes, you know, to, to create a winner. And I just don't see him being able to adjust. Like like I said, week in and week out, it seems like we get outperformed after the second half or after after halftime we get outperformed. Even from jump sometimes, it just seems like teams are two, three steps ahead of us. And when it comes to just like when you have to address two particular positions, that's your quarterback position and your offensive line as a whole, and that's what you struggle with the most, how can we have confidence? How can we believe in him in year three or year four? He's shown us that he's completely incapable of establishing something stable at the quarterback position, even if it's not the best. Even if you don't have a top 10 quarterback or you bottom half of the league, give me something consistent where this guy can put us in a position to just win games. It don't got to be pretty, but you basically had a franchise quarterback that was going through injury. Say, you know what? Fuck him. I'm going to go get Teddy Bridgewater instead and pay Teddy Bridgewater. That was supposed to be our, our real bridge. I, I believe in Bridgewater being a bridge quarterback. Hold on to him until you can find the true upgrade at that, at that position. We didn't do that. We moved on from him. So Teddy Bridgewater is on the books. Sam Darnold, which we knew where he was, was on the books. Matt Barkley is on the books. I seen him on the sideline yesterday. <laughs> We're paying five quarterbacks for no reason. For no reason at all. That just tells me. That just tells me, and to be brutally honest with you, that just tells me that there's there's turmoil that we can't see. There's instability in the places that we can't see. We see 53 guys come out 
every Sunday and play football, but we don't know what happens in the locker room. We don't know what happens in the front office. We don't know what's going on in Tepper's office with his big brass ball sitting on the table. Fuck them balls, bro. Throw them shits in the trash. Cause you've been able, you've been unable to give us the right coach. You've been unable to put your foot down and say, look, we're doing this. Like Will said, we have no direction. We're not even trending down, to be honest with you. We're not trending to be the worst team in the league. We're just floating around, bro. We're just floating around. Nobody wants to be that. Nobody wants to be a a top 10 to 15 pick every single year, but that's what we've been. We're not bad. We're not good. We're just the average trash team, and it's getting sickening to watch. I'll be honest with you. Since 2002, my freshman year of high school, I've watched every single Panther game from front to back, from opening kickoff to the last minute went off the clock. I'll be honest with you, the last couple games, I'm cutting that shit off from the fourth, bro. This is un I'm unable to watch this. I'd rather watch the two and fourteen team play football. I enjoyed going to those games back in, in 2010. Cause you still had talent around the field. You still had guys trying. It's just that Jimmy Clawson wasn't shit. But where we're at right now. We can say our quarterbacks ain't playing well, offensive line ain't playing well. We got a top ten, a top five defense on paper. When we play somebody with the bright lights, we look like we're bottom thirty. What can y'all be excited about? You tell me a reason why I should be excited going into the next season if Tepper make an announcement. Oh, we're gonna move. We're gonna keep. We're gonna keep having Matt rules the guy calling the shots going into year three. There's nothing to be excited about for next year. We don't have a draft to get excited about. We don't have a roster to get excited about. I'm just venting right now. I'm not even talking football with y'all. I'm just talking about frustration as a fan of the game. I have no desire to watch this team play on Sundays. Okay. Uh, what's up, Steven? How you doing tonight? He says he wants to keep Federer but get rid of Matt Rule. I mean, I can see that. I mean, Federer's only been here uh, one year, but I mean, he can't. He has to take some blame as well. I mean, he gave the compensation, the second round pick to get Sam Darnold, went all in on winning now. I mean, CJ Henderson, I know people are hard on him. I still think we need at least a year with him in the system before we can make conclusions on how that third round pick will turn out. But the Irvin and Elf line signings on the first day of free agency are definitely very questionable. It's trading back in the draft and passing up on starting quality offensive linemen in the second round. That's questionable. So, I mean, we'll see. You know, I think we're 19th in the league in cap space next year. Have $40 million allocated to Sam Darnold's fifth-year option, Cam Irving, and Pat Elfline. That's $40 million we could use to extend our own guys or acquire other talent in free agency. So, you know, what are we rebuilding with with the lack of cap space, number one, and the lack of draft capital, number two? We don't have a second or third round pick. So, I mean, Scott Fitterer's mentality of winning now has kind of put us in a bind where it's going to be difficult to rebuild. So I think that would be the case against Scott Fitterer as of uh, right now. But I do understand your point that we don't have enough uh, years under the belt to really draw a conclusion on that. Uh, Darla says, coach has lost the locker room. And I know somebody uh, asked, why are these people saying Matt Rule has lost the locker room? Where's the proof? And here's my here's what I see, okay? Um, preseason training camp, I know all of us were following that. Matt Rule was big on not beating yourself. So what he did, which is kind of something, you know, you do in high school, doing peewee football, you put a DBO sign, you know, maybe a mile away from the practice field. Every time you jump off sides, get a penalty, fumble, make a mistake, 
you run to the DBO sign because you um, want to remind yourself every day we're not going to be a team that beats ourselves. Well, guess what? Know where we rank? We're first in the league in penalties, right? I think we're 29th in turnovers on offense. You know, you look at these things. He's stressed. So off the bat, we are beating ourselves, right? So his message of DBO and his, you know, tactics to try to make us not beat ourselves, that's clearly not working. Then you look at some other things, you know, do your job. I mean, Kyle Pitts, third and 13. Kyle Pitts is coming across the formation on a jet motion, and nobody picks him up. There's a miscommunication there. Clearly, people aren't doing their jobs. Where's the gap control on defense, you know? Guys on the edge want to get to the quarterback, rush the passer. But what about setting the edge and being strong against the run? I mean, Atlanta was consistently running to that left side with success. Where's the gap control? Again, guys aren't doing their jobs like Matt Rule is stressing. So when they say they lost the locker room, it's about the things he's preaching to the team, don't beat yourself and do your job. It's not translating to on the field. We don't see that. So I think maybe it's not a case of losing the locker room where they don't respect him as a man and as a coach, but clearly his message is not being translated to the team right now. So that's kind of the issue. I think that's what people mean when they say that he's lost the locker room. So what are your thoughts on that? Kev, you think Rule has lost the locker room or is it just a case of guys, you know, not running the scheme and the plays that are called? No, I definitely think it's um, – I definitely think it's that the locker room – that Rule has lost, lost the locker room. Um, one of the things that a good friend of ours who's been on the show a few times, Miss uh, um, uh, Machina of, of – <clears throat> excuse me, of um, Quick Blitz with her in Vash High, she said that um, – I think this was like last week, like the week after the Miami game, that it's not that the players uh, don't have a lack of effort. It's just that they just don't have – they seem like not to have a belief in the guidance because there seems to be very little adjustments. Said that a lot of the conversations that can be started to be picked up online is players being frustrated with the coaching staff, like not adjusting to what – the teams are doing and it's just the fact that we're just pretty much sticking with whatever they practice all week okay we're just gonna keep running it eventually it, it should work versus you know having a plan to adjust to the adjustments you know like you mentioned you know it's like playing chess and it seems like we're playing checkers um and it's just really just really uh really a lot of discontent um here i think we even talked about it a, a few weeks back when um Rob Anderson blew up saying that they, the the uh, player the defenders are sitting on our routes. Why is that? Cause you know, and we were talking about this in the chat before coming on tonight. There's no vertical threat in our passing game. Where's our where's our deep ball threat at? You know what I'm saying? If if it ain't something deep, then it's easier for these DBs to sit on everything else on the inside. Um, so it's just it's just really frustrating. Uh, I just think that that the um, the message that rule was trying to sell the players just not buying in. Um, uh, is that the locker room has definitely been lost in my opinion. You got another comment uh, here from Jordan offensively. Why can't we put more at running back some plays, get Robbie jet motion, uh, fake misdirection, something. We have guys that can make plays, but not putting them in position to be successful. Where is Shy Smith 
and Curtis Samuel replacement. You know, what I would say there is this was Jeff Nixon's first game as an off as a pro play caller. Uh, I thought the offense was very plain vanilla, a lot of slant RPOs, uh, a lot of quick hitches, stick routes. Um, There's not very a lot of complex uh, route schemes and creativity in the offense. I think that was kind of um, their plans, you know, to try to run the ball, play it safe. Safe, though, you know, the thing is, though, being conservative isn't necessarily safe because look at some of the plays. Look at when you come too predictable, look at what Atlanta was able to do. And I'm going to use Cam Newton's interception as an example. What we tried to do, you know, Cam identified man coverage, had Amir Abdullah matched up against a linebacker. So what we like to do, and Atlanta saw this on film, like to run our running back on the Texas, so that option route where you can, you know, run that kind of like that angle, shake the linebacker open in the middle of the field and it's an easy pitch and catch for a first down. So what Atlanta does is say, okay, we're going to do put a rack in the middle of there to try to pick that off. So knowing that, you know, our predictable play calling and tendencies, we like to run the Texas route on third down. They take their edge player from the opposite side of the field, drop him in the coverage like a rat. And his purpose is to undercut that Texas route. And he played it beautifully. Cam didn't even see him. He just, knew what we like to do, knew our tendencies, knew what, we, knew what we, the play call was going to be on those third and short situations. And he was able to pick it out and uh, house it the other way. So I think, you know, being conservative, you know, leading to being predictable just allowed Atlanta's defense to make plays. Uh, DJ Moore on a slant route. I mean, the cornerbacks have no respect whatsoever for our wide receivers and our offense to be able to challenge them vertically. So they're sitting on these underneath routes. You know, and we just can't get anything going. So um, I think if next, if Jeff Nixon's going to be our play caller next year, I think he has to find more ways to be able to challenge it. defenses over the top. Because right now, I mean, Robbie Anderson basically confirmed what I'm saying a few weeks ago. Defenses, you know, know what our tendencies are. They know they have no fear of us testing them vertic- on vertical concepts. They have no fear of our wide receivers being able to get separation on vertical stems. So, you know, they can just sit on these underneath routes. And, you know, that's why we have difficulty generating consistent offense. Uh, we got J.D. joining us uh, just now. Uh, what's your thoughts on the game yesterday? I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Boy, I don't know what to think no more. I swear to you, I'll I, I watch the game back, grade it out, Cam. Young, I, I have no clue what this offense is, what's, what this team is, what this defense even is, bro. And it's sad that we got to this point because this defense is a top five, was supposed to be a top five unit, but your two best edge rushers aren't setting the aren't setting the the edge, and they're flying upfield trying to rush the passer on on a running play, and it it's just it's disheartening because the potential. You know, on offense and defense is there. It's like, it's like I I, I tweeted this not too long ago. It's like we got a, a team on offense and defense full of specialists. Like they specialize in winning a certain way, and when they can't win that way or when they don't play that way, it's a fail. So I I, I don't know how I feel, but I I'm, I almost want to just blow the whole thing up. I ain't gonna lie to you, cause uh, man. I was wrong about DJ though. I had to come on here and, and, and let folk know. Um, I tweeted out during that during the game. 
that DJ took an outside release. It's a quick slant. What what you doing? That's not even DJ fault. Looking back on it, Will Will uh, Chauncey Billup head ass was right. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough to sell a lie or t- try to tell convince somebody you telling the truth when all they know you can do is lie. So I, I mean, hey, dog, I don't know what we gonna do. I said Jeff Nixon had to come out and be aggressive. I ain't really see that. Uh, I don't think we had a bad day running the ball, though, but still, like, for this offense to take the next step, you got to find a way to get these defenses to to respect your speed over top. So I don't know, bro. I don't know where we at. This, we, just, we just floating in the middle of nowhere right now. See, Michael Kelly says, Rule probably is two more years, and I'm okay with that. I haven't given up yet. This is year two of a rebuild. That 3 0 start got folks gassed. Now, uh, he's drinking the Kool Aid, bro. I'm going to let you handle that one. <laughs> he on the Kool Aid, bro. I just, I just got to address that comment. You on the Kool Aid, bro. I get what you're saying. You know, it's year two of a rebuild, but nothing about this staff has told you that they have intentions on actually rebuilding. They're making win-now moves year in and year out, off-season after off-season. So I can't be like, why, why do you, like, you, you, Mr. Kelly, you got to prove to me why I should believe in three to four years when I haven't seen an ounce of improvement from year one to two. Why do you want me to stab myself more? That's like believing in a woman to be your wife. But she ain't showing you at all that she can even take care of the home. Like, what are we doing? What, why are we drinking this Kool-Aid where we think that Matt Rule believes? Like, why do we think that Matt Rule deserves three or four years? He shouldn't even be able to make it out of this season. We should be able to get a, a jump start on finding a new coach for this offseason. What about Matt Rule has told, has told you that three or four years will make a difference than one and two? Because I haven't seen an ounce of improvement. I don't care about winning. I don't care about the record. Show me that this team is getting better. Show me that the culture is changing. Show me that we're learning how to win close games. We don't do none of that. Kevin, you was an advocate for him. And you you got to show, can you show me why he belongs here for another two or three years? What can I, you I'm, be optimistic about? Yeah, I honestly struggle with it. And y'all know I, I was definitely, you know, with Rule. You know, I was bringing up, you know, old, old woo, you know, cash rule, everything. You know, I was all in with Matt Rule. But seriously, though, and uh, Michael Kelly, you know, you my ump, you know what I'm saying? So I said with much due respect, because you are OG, you know what I'm saying? And you've, you've been die hard for the longest. But my challenge to your question is, what areas have improved that you've seen trending? And like I said, let's let's put the record aside. What what particular group or direction of this team has gotten better in 2021 than from 2020? Because the truth be told, our games were a lot more competitive last year. You know, even though we lost, but what we had about what seven, eight, nine games that were like eight points or less. Will something along those lines? Yes, yeah, something you know like that. You know, we get our backs blown out now. I mean, for God, Christ's sakes, we we got smoked by the Dolphins, who who uh, got who lost to the Jaguars. Who, you know, what I'm saying, I mean, just uh, it, it's it's hard for me to just 
look at this team objectionably and be like, okay, where, where are we trending at? Like, like, let's look at some of the key players that got that came here under the rule era. Someone that I pounded the table for and and I and I and I love Derek Brown. And we know that it, you know, and Will, you said it, you know, it takes year three, you know, think back to Kawan short, you know, he had that big explosion. I mean, Derek Brown for the most part has had a solid as sometimes dominant field, you know, um year. I know quote the big stats that a lot of the casual fans look for don't show it, but on film for the most part, he's been, you know, he's been, you know, pretty solid put up front. He he done been put on skates, got his back blown out a few times too. But where's where's that consistency? Where's that, you know, tackle for loss machine, you know, that we was looking for? Or, you know, that guy that's constantly, you know, collapsing the pocket. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, you know, we were so gassed up on looking at Jermaine Carter. I think Jermaine Carter has regressed, you know what I'm saying, in year two from year one. You know, Jermaine Carter of last year played a whole lot better than Jermaine Carter of this year now he started off playing good early but lately you know his play his play has uh his play has fallen off so again for me where where where, where can we honestly put a finger at and as panther fans agree hey we're trending in the right direction based on a b and c that's taking place now hard to do that again number one in penalties i think last year we were like if i'm not mistaken like 18th or 19th so should we definitely don't went the wrong way uh, when, when it comes to that. Guys not staying focused. Um, yeah, I, I just I, I'm, I'm just hard pressed to find anything that's trending in the right direction up on the rules guidance. And to and to let him keep doing this another year, especially with the way that he sat down and had the nerve to explain his offensive line philosophy and and. Big smooth and will. I think you too, JD. It was like what several like um offensive line people like in Twitter and were calling him out on that. You know what I'm saying? Like, bro, that ain't it. Like, what is you talking about? You know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, I I just don't have no. I, I just as, as optimist I am, it's, it's hard for me to find something positive to hold on to that rule is doing that's getting better with this team right now. Yeah, when you think of rebuilding teams, I mean, it's, I mean, a lot of different ways to do it. And I think some teams, you know, they'll lose out. I mean, let's look at what uh, Ron Rivera's Panthers. He took over a team with the first pick in the draft. What does he do? He gets his franchise quarterback, builds his defense. You know, he's rebuilt the team in two years. You know, John Fox took over the 1-15 in Panthers. He had more of a bridge quarterback. He just built the trenches, built his defense, developed a culture of toughness. He's in the Super Bowl in what year, two, Cal? So you look at the prior rebuilds with Fox and Rivera. Okay, year three, we made the Super Bowl. So you look at the prior rebuilds with Fox and Rivera, you know, they did did it different ways. This one, you know, what direction are we going? You know, it looks like they tried to sell us on a rebuild in year one. Okay, they have Teddy Bridgewater with a bridge deal. Maybe you keep him one or two years. You draft Justin Fields, draft Matt Jones, build the O-line, try to rebuild that way. You know, but they abandoned that plan, and now all of a sudden we're talking about trading for Matthew Stafford, trading for Deshaun Watson, giving up picks for Sam Darnold, giving up picks for C.J. Henderson, Stephon Gilmore. I mean, these are win-now moves. You know, this team went all in on winning now. Their cap space is 19th in the league. You know, we don't have tons and tons of cap space like a typical rebuilding organization. We don't have a ton of draft capital like typical rebuilding organizations. Look at the Giants and the Jets. I think each of them are going to have two top ten picks this year. 
you know, we don't even have a day two pick. So this team was built to win now this year. And I think that plan just ended up falling on their face. And that's why I'm having a hard time buying into this quote unquote uh, rule rebuild at this point, because I think they just went all in trying to build a roster to make a run this year. You know, they started drinking that Kool-Aid after three and oh, started thinking that they can make a run this year. Defense was playing very good football. Then all of a sudden it started to fall apart. I mean, I'd be shocked if we win another game this year. I mean, we got four difficult opponents coming up. You know, it is what it is. So, and we'll see how it, I mean, I think we'll at least be here for next year if I'm being realistic, but we know David Tepper is not the most patient owner out there. And, you know, whatever he's paying Matt Rule is nothing compared to his net worth. So I don't think the seven-year contract means a lot to David Tepper at all. So um, let's go to these next comment here. For every good personnel that we made, a bad one followed it and vice versa. That's not improvement. That's being stagnant. And I think to build off on that, you know, it's hard to develop a culture of toughness when you neglect the offensive line uh, the way you did. Because uh, smooth, how's these offensive linemen we passed on performing this year? I'm looking at Trey Smith. I'm looking at Creed Humphrey. I mean, what's Kansas City's old line looking like right now with guys we passed on? <clears throat> well, KC is playing top-notch football, and it all starts up front. I know people like to talk about Pat Pat Mahomes, but you saw what Pat Mahomes is when you don't have the offensive line to protect him, like you saw in the Super Bowl. So Trey Smith is having, having an outstanding year. He deserves to be in the Pro Bowl and to be realistic with this with this Panther fan base. I want y'all to know that we selected a long snapper over Trey Smith, a, a potential Pro Bowler. We took a long snapper. So this give Matt Rule three or four years. We took a long snapper that did not make the team over a Trey Smith. So y'all 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 gotta let that sit. Um, Creed Humphreys could have got him too. It's a lot of guys we could have took. Well, I don't even know why you put me on blast right now, but there was a good 15 offensive linemen that went before round five that could have made this a better football team. And we Wyatt took Wyatt Davis. Wyatt Davis, yeah, that's a that's a nice little guard from Ohio State. <laughs> yeah, Jackson Carmen from Clemson, who was coming off an injury, but looks to be playing better than Pat Elfland has played. I mean, it's, just, it's a ton of guys that you could have took, but you didn't. So I don't even want to type on what happened last drive. We got to look past that. I think what's making me disgusted is that I got to look at the next draft. Like, I can't even enjoy that. We don't have any picks. We have one pick in the top 100. How can you make your team better with one pick in the top 100? You just can't. Who are you re-signing after this season? Who is showing you that they deserve to get an extension from the Panthers and, and make our football team better? One of my favorite players on the roster is Dante Jackson. He's on the shelf. And he had a bad two games before he went on the shelf. So there's nothing to be optimistic about when it when it when it comes like Dave this Matt Rule staff, this era has taken everything from us. They've taken winning away from us. They've taken potential away from us. They've taken the culture away from us. We have nothing to be excited about. It's very hard. I'm four-man rush till I die. I started this shit. But it's very, very hard for me to come up here on Monday nights and talk football. It's very hard for me to watch this team play on Sundays 
and do a post game show. I'd rather be out having fun with my family. What do we have to talk about? I don't have nothing for y'all. I'm sorry. I just don't. It's nothing to be excited about. We're a mediocre football team, a mediocre organization that has nothing to look forward to for at least three or four years. Once again, shout out to Luke Cage. Thank you again for the super chat. Says Zane Gonzalez is our most consistent player. Probably is. I mean, at least we solved the kicker position. Uh, one of uh, many needs we had coming into the year. I want to get back to uh, this comment from uh, Xavier talking about if we move on from rule, who would be the best head coach to come in and salvage the personnel we currently have? I mean, I have a few candidates. I think we need a more experienced uh, offensive mind here because I think at some point, whether it's next year or the year after, you're going to have to draft your quarterback of the future. So maybe a Jim Caldwell, um, who's a quarterback coach for Peyton Manning and the Colts, uh, won a Super Bowl in that capacity, became head coach at Indianapolis, made a Super Bowl but lost uh, to the Saints, I believe. He took over the Detroit Lions, went 11 and 5, uh, 7 and 9, and then had back to back 9 and 7 seasons and was fired after that. I believe he's the winningest coach in Detroit Lions history. Had experience working with Matthew Stafford, Peyton Manning. So if you're going to draft a young quarterback, he might be a good guy to develop him and help bring him along. I know he had some health problems when he went to the Dolphins. They tried to get him in there with Tua, but I think he's definitely interested in coming back to coaching. So that would be a good guy to have on your staff. Doug Peterson from the Eagles. I mean, who knows? I think he left there because of disagreements on Carson Wentz. I mean, in hindsight, it looks like Doug Peterson might have been right. I mean, Wentz has the Colts playing very good football. He's having a pretty decent bounce back season. I mean, he'll be available. He's a Super Bowl champion, a very aggressive, offensive minded, you know, quarterback experience. So another guy you can probably look at if you want to go the experience route. Uh, coordinators, you got Eric Bieniemy, who, of course, who we interviewed before. A lot of people are high on. So, I mean, that might be an option. So I think we got plenty of options if they move on from rule. But I wouldn't give your hopes up. I think he'll at least be here for 2022. So I think this might be a conversation more appropriate for the year after next, not necessarily this year. Uh, anyone else have any thoughts on head coaches before we move on to the next comment? Raheem Morris, that's about it for me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Tampa Bay uh, playing good football with what? Josh Freeman was their quarterback. So, yeah. I think they had a 10 and 6 season actually. He didn't get out a raw deal too because after white one losing season, they kind of they were quick to move back from him. So we'll see. Todd Bowles. Yep, Tampa Bay defensive coordinator, another good option. Let's see. Let's go to this. How this how's this for Ernie? How, how about uh Scott Turner? <laughs> wow. Hey, that would be my yeah. best hire. That's, my, that's hey. my favorite offensive coordinator in the league. Give me hey, Scott Turner any talk. day of the week. Yeah. Boy, I'll take it. Oh, Scott, look, look. yeah, Ron, let, look, look, we need to holler at you for a second here. Byron <laughs> Leftwich. <laughs> he got a seven-year contract, I don't think. Yeah, then we already addressed this um, – comment with the seven-year contract. Remember Tepper's net worth, Matt Rule's contract to Tepper, like, you know, 10 bucks in our pocket <laughs> to him. So I don't think Rule has any security uh, whatsoever based on the amount or term of his contract. 
Yeah, when Tepper bought the team, he had eleven billion. Currently, and I just checked a little before we came on, Tepper's up to fifteen billion dollars. So he's made four billion dollars since buying the Panthers and <laughs> since buying a soccer franchise. That um, sixty-three million dollars or whatever, whatever's left out of that, the uh, Matt Rule. That's that's like finding the the change in your um in your ashtray, your car. That's, <laughs> Like you know, with that song "Money Ain't a Thing," that that's that's tougher. He he ain't sweating that to get get the job done. Let you answer this one. Uh, it says, "Don't forget Keith Keith uh, Taylor. Where is he? I mean, I'll start, but he did get burned one play yesterday. Matt Ryan just missed the throw, but other than that, man, how you think he played yesterday, JD? It, it's been a, a tough couple of uh, games for Keith Taylor. Um, got beat yesterday. Um, got beat versus Miami or got lost in coverage versus Miami. Um, Miami used a, a bunch, I think, and we were playing off man. I think it was a miscommunication. Um, so if the inside guy goes um, outside, then the outside corner has him. I think it just got mixed up in the communication. He was playing lights out before the, um, this stretch of games, though. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see if he can he can bounce back. But um, I think at, as it stands right now with the play of C.J. Henderson and uh, Keith Taylor, you can't stand pat and let Dante and St- um, Stephon Gilmore walk. Um, you can't feel comfortable with that. Um, those guys just having a tough time. They're young players. They're going to take their lumps, but you uh, um, you would like to see them um, kind of carry over the, the consistency. Um, C.J. Henderson got picked on early and often, I think, and then they they removed him from the matchup, put Keith Taylor on him, and he got picked on a little bit as well. So um, tough, tough outing for the the young corners, and hopefully they can they can bounce back and um, get back to playing well. Okay, next comment: Do we resign Cam? You know, my thing is we learned our lesson the first time. You know, don't move on from somebody unless you got an upgrade or a replacement uh, coming in. And I think with this quarterback uh, free agency coming up, it's not a lot of options to upgrade from, you know, what we're getting with Cam right now. Um, You look at guys we can trade for. Do we really have the trade capital right now to go get a Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson? Well, that's number one. Number two, would those guys even waive their no uh, trade clauses to come to Carolina? I mean, smooth. If you were an elite quarterback like Watson, assuming he beats these cases and Russell Wilson with, Carolina be on your wish list? <clears throat> no, because when I'm looking for a destination, I'm the guys that you mentioned, like Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, they're trying to win, bro. And you can't win if your coach can't win. So the first thing I'm looking at is my staff. You know, is this is this staff capable of putting me in a position to win meaningful football games and play football in January? And we haven't seen that. So, no, I, I'm not coming nowhere near here. Aaron Rodgers ain't coming near here. Deshaun Watson ain't coming near here. Russell Wilson ain't coming near here. It's just not going to happen until there's some changes in the front office. So we don't have any kind of winning mentality to look forward to. This this shit is dead. Let's hold on to, to rule like y'all, like some of these fans is asking for. Let's go through a, a, a shitty-ass year three and, and start this shit all over. I'll probably be 40-something by the next time the Panthers start winning again. I'm 33. I'll probably be in my 40s when the Panthers actually start winning football games again, man. I don't I don't have nothing to be excited about right now. 
Yes, I mean, there you go. I mean, you're not, if you if an elite veteran quarterback is not going to voluntarily play here, then, I mean, what, what are you doing if you go in the next season with a P.J. Walker and a Sam Darnold, right? So, I mean, I think you have to at least re-sign Cam for one more year. Um, see how the draft board falls. If you trade back, you can get a tackle and a Kenny Pickett. Great. If not, just ride Cam one more year. and You have a very strong quarterback class in 2023. So, and I think you at least need a bridge guy to have in place before you let him go. On that note, I, I'll just say this. If um, understand long-term projection, and when I say long-term, I'm thinking like five years or longer. Um, I don't think Cam's the answer, but short-term, um, I think this franchise owes it to Cam to finally build it you know, to build it up properly around him with offensive lines, um, play with, uh, you know, talent at the skill positions, because as he's having to morph himself into a different type of quarterback than what a lot of us remember him as, uh, I, I just think it would go a long way. Not so much just because, I mean, when I say I owe the county, yeah, I feel like we do on a personal tip, but, Whoever our quarterback is, they deserve to have have that. But if anybody does, um, I think that Cam Newton deserves, uh, you know, to be resigned, you know, a couple of years, maybe an option year or whatever for, you know, year three or something. But definitely uh, something like that, because when they negotiated the contract for him to come back, Cam originally wanted three years. Uh, they said two. So both were interested in multiple years, you know, at the, at the, at the original conversation piece. So. Um, I think if we do bring Cam back, it's got to be at least for two years. Like I said, maybe option, give yourself time, option yourself for three, uh, you know, depend on, you know, play incentives and things like that. But, um, yeah, I don't see any upgrade out there that's going to uh, do better. And plus, I like to see Cam get a full uh, offseason. Like I said, could be a possible coaching change yet again. You know, got to go through that, you know, learning all that all over again. So. Uh, that's just my own personal feeling. Now, this is something we talk about a lot. Uh, Chris says, you can only predict so much with the draft. That's why I'm not sold on drafting and all line. We need a veteran presence in the trenches. Now, you've now smooth. You've been against um, addressing the O-line through free agency as opposed to the draft. Why do you prefer to build your offensive line in your trenches in the draft as opposed to trying to go to veteran free agent route? Because it's all about continuity. If I draft a bunch of young guys, even if they're not, if they haven't perfected their crafts, they're still able to grow together. When you get a vet, you only get one or two years out of them. I mean, you took two vets on the first day of free agency. Is Cam Irvin not a vet? Is Pat Elfley not a vet? What have they shown our younger guys as far as getting better? How has Cam Irvin shown Grady Christensen how to get better as a football player? I'll let Chris answer that. Like I, I just don't see it. We, you got to build through the draft, bro. If you look around the league, there's no offensive line that's just been, oh, let me get a whole bunch of free agents. We're gonna put this together and make it work. It don't happen like that. Offensive line is very different from the rest of the football team. Offensive line has to have a group from three to five guys come in together and grow together. You can't just go select. Guys, put them on a line and hope that they work well together. It just don't happen like that. Most of the best offensive lines lines in this league, 
they've grown together. And it's usually young guys getting drafted around the same time, and you get one vet or two vets to come plug in, but those guys get to grow together. You need continuity on the offensive line. Free agency is never going to be the answer for addressing this type of offensive line. We got one solid lineman right now. To me, you got four positions that are open to being upgraded. I would just address it the right way, man. I would go try to put guys that are young in position to win, and we we don't have that right now. Deontay Brown, I saw him get a snap. What did y'all think about Deontay? What y'all thoughts on him? It's hard to tell in one snap, but I mean, at least it's good to see him get in the rotation somehow. But what I'll add to that is teams usually don't give up their best offensive lineman for cheap. Typically, you know, this free agency, like, you know, you look at it now, you look at the free agents. Oh, Teron Armstead's a free agent. New Orleans is probably going to franchise tag him. So don't expect him to hit the market. And if he does, you know, they're not going to let him walk away for free. Um, what I mean, Kev, do you ever recall what San Francisco had to give up for uh, Trent Williams and what they had to pay him to get him out there? I mean, acquiring, you know, elite offensive line. We could have got Trent Williams for less than what we're paying five quarterbacks right now, just so y'all know. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. <laughs> but, I mean, I just if you add it up, if you, if you, know, well, if you add it up, if you add up, what we paying Cam, what we paying Narnold, what we paying PJ, what we paying Barkley. And certainly what we play in Bridgewater, we could have Trent Williams right now. <laughs> we could have Trent Williams right now on our at our left tackle position. To be honest, don't y'all think that quarterback play would be better with a Trent Williams on our team? Yeah, I mean time to throw always makes quarterback, you know, play better. Regardless of who it is, whether it was Sam, PJ, Cam, I just think with Trent Williams. Quarterback play will be slightly better than what it is right now. Yeah, and see, and and just to you know break down the contract to let you know how you can play around to make it make it work. Now, overall, Trent Williams' contract with the 49ers after he got traded to them, uh, he got a six-year, one hundred thirty-eight million dollar contract. Uh, Thirty million of that was a signing bonus. Fifty-five million of that was guaranteed. It says average annual salary twenty-three million dollars. But let me just show you how that's how you could how those salary cap numbers when you go deep into it can be played around to make it work. That's why I'm saying if we want to resign and keep guys that want to be here, the money is to do it. So for example, let uh this year with Trent Williams, uh his base salary is only 1.5 million dollars. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? His cap hit is only 8.1, but he's what easily what basically like he's currently like the top left tackle in the league right now. What'd you say? He got a 95% grade with, with fucking pro football focus. And I don't even like them. And right. uh, we're going to have to end this episode soon because I'm looking at these comments. This boy Treetop talking about <laughs> people on the draft O-line bandwagon and 90% can't put together a top five of the best college offensive linemen. Do he not know who I am? Hey, bro. Hey, Does he not that? know who I am of all people? Hey, handle well, that. You better and go tad, do your homework. Hey, handle that and tag me. You know, I got time for it. You know, I'm with the shenanigans. But anyway, back to this contract. Uh, so cash wise, you know, with bonuses or thing, uh, $32 million this year. Next year, he's only getting $8.1 million, you know what I'm saying, in cash. You know what I'm saying? Money paid out. So when you hear the big astronomical numbers, 
there's ways that uh, a capologist such as Samir Suleiman can move certain things around like base salary signing, roster bonus, workout bonus. All this stuff can be finagled to um, to make it work. So uh, to wrap this up here, Trent Williams, $8 million this year, $14 million in 2022. Then the money started kicking in, $26 million uh, in 2023, um, $26 million in 2024. $29 million in 2025, and then $26, $33 million in 2026. Now, will he play at a high level uh, that long? Who can say? But uh, they got an out after 2024 where they can cut him, and he only eats up $12 million of their dead cap. So, um, again, it, you 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 can get – if you got someone that know how to work the cap, you can make the numbers work that works out for both sides. Look at this comment here. What's up, Jordan? Hope you're doing good tonight, bro. Um, would it be smarter to have a new coach come in with more draft capital? I think so. I mean, if a new coach comes in, I mean, I think Scott Fitterer should play a role in selecting the next coach. And I think if you have a top 10 pick and, you know, an Evan Neal's not available or the top two tackles not available in that top 10, you trade back and try to recoup some of those day two, day three picks. And you can maybe get, you know, the third or fourth or fifth best offensive tackle in the mid first, mid to late first round and maybe get another guy in the second and third round. So, I mean, unfortunately, that's how we have to look at it. This draft, we can't take a guy in the top ten because, you know, we don't have any day two or day three picks. But I think the good news is I don't think this draft is as top heavy as it was last year. You're not going to – you don't have a Trevor Lawrence. You don't have a Panay Sewell. You don't got a um, – guys that are just plug and play starters is more of a depth type of draft. You know, I think they even said uh, a draft expert, like the best guy in this draft might've not been top 10 on his board last year. So, I mean, if there's any draft to trade back and acquire more picks, this one is probably it. You know, you all have any thoughts on that? I mean, I read that basically a second round pick from last year is probably valued as like a fourth for this upcoming draft. It's just a lot more talent in this draft coming up. So if you want to trade back, you have a lot better chance of acquiring some talented players. The issue is when you make that trade back, what are you getting? Do we really believe in this staff to, to go ahead and draft? Like we traded back a ton last year. Why didn't we select Trey Smith? I know he had in, he had uh, medical red flags. He gets blood clots or whatever. But in the sixth round, what are you really risking? Like, y'all tell me, was it a bigger risk to select Trey Smith with blood clots or a long snapper that don't make the team? So we can do all the trading back y'all want. Do y'all believe in this staff, this coaching staff and this front office to make the right decisions and bring the right players in here? I mean, they took Cam Irving and Pat Elfling on day one of free agency. These are guys that you can get on day five, six. You know, you got to have some camp bodies. You bring those guys in. This staff has not shown the ability to put an emphasis on making this roster better in the trenches. So what, what's the point? Like, we do all the trading back next year, which we're going to have to do to acquire picks. Do y'all believe that this staff can improve the two most important positions? Do y'all truly believe that we can get better at quarterback, left tackle, left guard, and right guard next year, and center? Do you believe that we have the staff to improve those positions right there? That's what it comes down to. 
And that just comes down to, you know, what's the likelihood you bring Matt Rule and his staff back next year. So it's going to be a lot of – I think these next few weeks are definitely going to be interesting. Now, J.D., I know you're a draft junkie. How many – I don't know how deep your big board is yet, but how many offensive tackles do you have in your top 10, top 20, or wherever you're at in your board so far? Right now I'm at top um, top 50 um, people. Uh, offensive tackles, I probably have about five or six in the top 50 right now. Hey, J.D., give me three of them, bro. I just want to see if we're on the same page with things. Evan Neal, Ikem, and Kanwu, and Charles Cross. We're not on the same page with things, bro. It is what it <laughs> is. I like Evan Neal, but you ain't mentioned Jamari, uh, Jamari Sailor, so we don't have nothing to talk about. I'll see you in January, bro. He a guard. Is he not a guard? No, he's an offensive lineman. He's going to play all five for He can play all five positions, just so you know. And I'm not gonna be like Matt Rowe. <laughs> oh, his his arms aren't long enough to play tackle. That man can play wherever you put him at. He a grown man. Will, did you not see him hold down the what is he, the second, the second best edge in the, in, in college football? No, nah, he didn't. Will Anderson? Was he not, Will was he not kept in check? Did Sellier not keep him in check? Yeah, he contained him all game. Just the Georgia Alabama game. Bro, Jamari yeah, Sellier, bro. Hey, he's learning from Willie Anderson. He's learning from future Hall of Famer Willie Anderson right now. You that's, ain't his, at- that's his offseason coach. Smooth. Hey, I don't he know has, if he has no he, guard, he with me. Oh, hey, okay. Real okay. He's a guard for me. But he's in the top 50, though. Hey, but real talk, though, he's this year's draft version of Elgin Jenkins, who the Packers drafted a couple years ago. You know, if anyone that follows um follows him has played all – has played – all five positions in the NFL and play them at a high rate. So this would be this year's ver- uh, this year's version of him, in my opinion. Another offensive line question. I don't understand why Deontay Brown isn't on the field. I may be wrong, but he didn't get up a sack at Alabama. Uh, Kev, you think Deontay Brown's ready to start now? I think he. You know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna say yeah. Here's why. I'm, here's why I'm saying it. There's nothing that can replace live game reps. You do all the simulations and whatever in practice, uh, but he needs to be out there going against the best, a tough uh, Buffalo um, defense, um, Tampa's defense twice. Uh, despite the record of the Saints, they still have a tough defense. So yeah. I, I would like for these last four games for him to, uh, for him to get the, uh, the the get the start and and to be getting reps. Again, we need to see what he has. From what I'm hearing, he's down to about three thirty five, which is about thirty pounds less than what he was in January at the Senior Bowl when he was around three sixty five, three seventy. From what I was reporting, um, apparently that's the playing weight that that uh, that they wanted him to be at was around the mid three thirties or whatever. Um, get that get get that man on get that get that man on the field. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, for me, I, you know, I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I like, you know, I I like Christian at left tackle. I like, you know, Michael Jordan. He come back at, at left guard. I like Trent Scott. He was playing well. We can. There's room. There's rooms and reps to get all those guys in. You know, um, but yeah. Uh, definitely start Deontay Brown these last four games, especially with the type of defenses we're facing. Let, let's let's see how that size and strength and everything he's had to sit back and watch how he comes out and performs. We damn sure can't do any worse. 
uh, smooth. I know you said he needed some work in process, but man, we're in week what fifth, week fourteen, week fifteen now. Do you at least have to know what you have going into the off season? I mean, yeah, with, with Michael Jordan hurt, you know, it's about time you start seeing what you have on this roster. I just feel like we're not getting any any progress because Matt Rue don't know how to put guys in the right position. So, like, if I do see Deontay Brown, I want to see him getting 100% of the reps at left guard. That's what he played in college. That's where he's comfortable at. Can we can we rely on that? <laughs> like, honestly, if you was go, if you were going to ask me, I would march out here with Brady Christensen at left tackle, Deontay Brown, or Michael Jordan at left guard. Got to roll with Elfling at center. Right guard Trent Scott, right tackle uh, Taylor Moten, and just let that group gel. If that group can, if that group can gel for at least four weeks, you don't feel as bad going into the offseason. Like, oh, we gotta address the offensive line. You can go ahead and address. You can go ahead and draft the guy, and you have time to develop him. But we can't establish continuity. We put together out of the games that we've played this season, we've put together maybe two complete games as a unit on the offensive line. The first time against Atlanta, we, we played well. But we can't put together a complete performance because guys aren't comfortable. Why do you have Brady Christensen trying to learn five positions? I just don't think this staff is the right staff to build a football team the right way. I don't think this staff knows what it takes to put together a complete offensive line and get the quarterback position right. I just don't think we have it as a coaching staff. So if we go on – Start over, man. Start over fresh. Go get a new coach. Go get a new. Go get a new GM. We gotta. We gotta blow this shit up, man. I, 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 that's just where I'm at. Blow it up. I don't want to wait three, four, year four. I don't want to do all of that. He hasn't shown me nothing to make me believe in year three or believe in year four. It's gone. It's over with. Start over. All right. About an hour into this, we'll take a few more comments before we uh, call it a night. Uh, Chris Conley says it's easier to build the O-line around a franchise QB than it is to get a franchise QB to fit your O-line. Um, it goes both ways. I mean, look at New England did with Mac Jones. They had their offensive line built, a uh, very deep offensive line, five guys that ready to start right away. You know, Mac Jones has stepped in, been very comfortable, playing very good football. Their first place competing for the first seed, and they're probably – you know, one of the top five teams favorite to win the Super Bowl right now. So that's an example of a team that's invested in their offensive line, then drafted their franchise quarterback. And look how much better Matt Jones is playing compared to higher-rated prospects like Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance. Well, Trey Lance, I mean, San Francisco's got a good O-line as well, but he's just not ready. But, you know, I think that's an example of a team that built the O-line first, then drafted their QB. Then on the flip side, look at the L.A. Chargers. They drafted Justin Herbert before they drafted Rashawn Slater. So I just think, you know, either way, you know, both are important. You just got to take the best player available and the best that fits your system. Um, Samuel Tate, love what you guys do, by the way. Don't know if I said enough because we appreciate y'all. Y'all make me feel better after going through the ringer on Sundays. Y'all kept pounding. A lot of people ain't pounded at all this season. Appreciate your support. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Definitely appreciate y'all. Uh, Tree Top, this conversation is why I follow the four-man rush. Hey, we appreciate you as well, man. Keep uh, listening, tuning in. Thank you for joining us tonight. 
Bill says, I had to jump off for a few minutes. Do you know how stupid that penalty in the first half when we had too many players on the field that's inexcusable? We talked about this earlier, about, you know, whether or not the uh, – why we feel that Matt Rule has lost the locker room. This is just one of those situations we talked about. We have these DBO signs, yet the team is continuously finding ways to beat themselves. So clearly what Matt Rule is preaching in the locker room is not, you know, translating to the field. Uh, Bill again says another thing. Christensen, I think he means Brady Christensen here. Having too short of arms is laughable. It tells me volumes of rules and confidence. And I think uh, Kevin Smoove already touched on this as well. You can also see on Twitter, uh, O-line experts like Duke Miniweather, guys like that, Jeff Swartz, they all laugh at the arm length argument. I think it's a very old school train of thought. And I mean, and it's also not that we don't think Brady Christensen can be a good guard. I think I had actually projected him as a guard back in May. But to, to dismiss him from playing tackle due to arm length, I think it's silly as well. And let me also add another criticism. Um, former Carolina Panther Frank Garcia said the same thing. So, um, you know, Frank Garcia ain't played for this team in a long time. But best believe, you know, our OGs for this team following and, and they and they marching right in tune with everybody else saying. Yeah, and the four-man rush Twitter kind of created a video with uh, Jordan Gross on the Jordan and Jake podcast. He talked about arm length as well. And his basic uh, theory was that arm length is important, yeah, but you can make up for it with your hand placement, your footwork, and your technique, things like that. So he also kind of laughed at the idea that the guy can't play left tackle simply because of arm length. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, just aren't buying into what Matt Rule's selling them. In these interviews, uh, you have something to say? Um, Brady Christensen's best game was that left tackle this season. Just so y'all know, like as far as the way I do my grades, Brady Christensen's best game was that left tackle. So put him where he's comfortable at. Now, as far as treetop, I, I understand what you're saying. He's he's rebuilt programs and stuff like that. But I also have a a, a, a huge belief in the fact that in college you can rebuild. You're recruiting. You're bringing in young talent every year. You can rebuild a college program. You don't really rebuild in the NFL. You have to retool. You know, you have to replace top-notch positions. So what he did well in college, it's obvious that it doesn't translate to the pro level. So giving it another one to two years, it's not going to show me much because I didn't believe in the fact that rebuilding was really what we needed to do anyway. I just thought we had to have a new direction. You know, have a have a new coach, a new voice, a new message, and just you know retool in some at some positions, retool on the O line. You know, make the defense stronger stronger than it was before, and go out and try to win football games. It's not about rebuilding right now, y'all. They sold us on the rebuild already, and we we we're, we're making moves that say we're not trying to rebuild. We're trying to win. Why do you trade for Gilmore? Why do you trade for CJ? Why do you go back and get Cam? Like, what's the point in doing moves like that if you're really trying to rebuild? If you're trying to rebuild, you take your lumps. You take your lumps when you take them and you, you move on. This is not a rebuilding philosophy. Everything about what they've done has shown us that they're still trying to win now. So it's just a mix-up as far as what we're trying to accomplish and what we're actually doing. It's a mix-up. It don't make sense. We have the right to be frustrated. We have the right to, to hold this, this staff accountable. 
Yeah, and I really will say I think Matt Rule's, you know, his process, his brand, all of that. I think he's a great college football coach. Don't get me wrong. I mean, what he did at Temple, what he did at Baylor, you know, at those schools, think about it. You're not getting the five-star recruits. So his recruiting message was I'm going to look at the two, three-star guys. I'm going to look at their traits. I'm going to find long guys, fast guys, athletic guys. I'm going to look at these traits, try to fit a profile for each position, and try to develop each guy to be, you know, a player based on my – a great player based on my profile. And that's just how he recruited and built teams at Baylor and Temple, and that was how he was able to compete. You know, Temple was able to beat a juggernaut like Penn State. And Baylor's able to rebuild coming off a scandal and winning – 10 years. So that's that, that was a great, you know, process for a college program. But in the NFL, everybody's a blue chip. You don't really have to, you know, you know, use traits to select players. You have years and years of tape. They are what they are. They've been developed in college. They've been developed with previous years in the NFL. You know, Cam Irving and Pat Elfline, almost 30-year-old men, you know, they are what they are at this point in their career. So I think just that method of looking at their traits, looking at that athleticism and trying to mold them into the players you want is more built for the college game as opposed to trying to do it with 30-year-old men who are pretty much at the tail end of their careers, like the Irving and Elfline and those types of guys. This comment, Dominic, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, that's all right. You're late tuning in, but I hope we consider the interior of the other trend. I know it's not a big priority if our O-line guys we want are going in the first round. And we decide to address it in free agency. BPA at D tackle will be considered. Jordan Davis, you mentioned him. I mean, as a late, I think picking him on day one or two is too high because you're not getting three down value out of him. I think he's strictly a run stuffer, maybe give you 30% of the snaps type of uh, deal. So, you know, Kyle Love type of guy, impact. So I wouldn't take him day one or two, but if he's there, you know, late day three or something, for some reason, I don't think he will be, but somebody may reach on him because of his production and impact in college. But you can have him, you know, late pick as far as a rotational guy being on obvious rundowns. And sure, you know, depth is always key. I know you had an opinion on him too, Smooth. You disagree with any of that? I mean, I think as a top five defense, our biggest weakness is we don't have balance. Like, all of our guys are either pass rushers or run stoppers. Our linebackers are either great in coverage or they're good at run stopping. Our corners are either good at good at man or they're good at good at zone. We don't have any all-around guys. And when it comes to Jordan Davis, I watched him abuse Alabama center for a whole quarter and a half. And what did Saban do? He said, All right, this is how we're going to neutralize him. We're not going to make our rundowns obvious. We're going to pass more on first and second down. We're going to run more on third down. We're going to make it hard to get him on the field. And that's what they did. They literally eliminated him for three downs. They made him a one-down lineman for three quarters in the game. So I think that's the, that's the risk that you take when you draft a guy like Jordan Davis. He's only good in run situations. He gives you zero pass rush whatsoever. Zero. He was absolutely terrible. In past situations, when it comes to run stopping, he snacks. He's an absolute stud in the run game, but the way the NFL is progressing, you can eliminate guys like that by just mixing up your play calls and not letting your defense know what you're going to do on certain down and distances. So he'll be a liability more than he would be an asset for us in the way this the way this league is the way this league is progressing. 
So if he's there on day three, like Will said, yeah, I would take him. He's an absolute phenomenal run stopper. He's strong at the point of attack. He gets great push. Gap discipline is something that we struggle on and he's good at. He has great gap discipline. But it's easy to neutralize a guy like that because he gives you nothing when it comes to a pass rush. He gives you nothing. He was like the worst guy on the field when it came to rushing the passer. And it's just we can't have that in this league now. We got we got to have some all around guys. You see Derrick Brown working harder than every fucking week, trying to get better as a pass rusher. I don't think Jordan Davis helps us in the early rounds, man. I think he's a late round guy, a rotational guy. Will you said the best name, bro? The the best rotational lineman we've had in years was Kyle Love, somebody that can come in and stop the run right away. Jordan Davis does that for us, but on some every down shit, nah, I'm good. Uh, JD, on your big board, have you got into that defensive tackle uh, position yet? You have some names uh, in mind at that spot? The only guy I have uh, right now is the Marvin Lill. That's a true um, a true interior guy. Um, they use him from everywhere. From like They put him at no zero to five. They have him everywhere. Um, I'm still looking for that pass rush move, that extra, that extra, uh, counter and stuff like that. But I think as it stands right now, I think the answer is on the roster. I think Phil Hoskins is, um, has played well. I think he, he deserves a shot to get, um, get those, those pass rushing reps in and he's solid versus the run. So I want to see him get those reps. I think the Var- Marvin Lill will be a good pro, but, um, I think you're going to have to take him uh, late first, early second. So I, I think I'm good on those guys. Plus, you know, let's not forget, you know, we got Davion Nixon who was playing extremely well for us before, you know, before he got hurt, like you said, answer on the roster and um, Daquan Jones. I, I, I like his play. So um, even though he has sixth round, I mean, even though he, has made a little bit few more plays lately, but I mean, outside of Brave Ron Roy, um, I like our, our rotation of um, D tackles as far as like what they're uh, required to do. So, uh, yeah, I really feel like we got answers on our roster. Uh, for, you know, um, for that reason, Phil Hawkins is not getting much push, even though he got a half a sack in Miami, you know, with a few reps. So, um, yeah, I'm with you, JD. Answers on the roster for D tackle. That 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 can provide us more results. I think this will be more of a, a O-line focused draft. Uh personally, if your franchise QB or a guy they feel could be their franchise QB falls, so then maybe you take them. But overall, definitely a draft you gotta beef up your old line with. Um, so what everybody say if uh comes out smoking, I think he's just saying if Matt Rule comes out smoking next year and we make the playoffs. I mean, I think Rule will be here next year, so luckily we'll get to find out and see if anybody's opinion changes after that. Um, but I, I think we also got the right to be skeptical because we haven't really been building towards anything so far. Let's get a couple more comments before we call it a night. Uh, do you really think we're a top five defense because I don't? Numbers are misleading. Now, we talked about this earlier today. You know, Let's take a look at the quarterbacks and the teams that our defense has beaten this year. Number one, the New York Jet Zach Wilson in his very first NFL game when we've seen Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson struggle all year, right? Jameis Winston and the Saints. I mean, Jameis is an up-and-down QB, but let's be honest. I mean, that Saints team had no offensive staff because they were 
uh, out because of COVID. You know, they had some injuries on the defensive side of the ball. It's probably one of our better wins, but nothing to really, you know, not a signature win, I'll say. Uh, Texans, they had Davis Mills, what, a fourth-round rookie, been up and down all over the place this year. So that's three of our five wins. A fourth win was, what, Colt McCoy, you know, without DeAndre Hopkins with the Cardinals. So, I mean, you know, Cardinals are first place, but we really didn't beat, you know, the true Cardinals that we're, you know, watching against the Rams tonight. Fifth win. Uh, who am I missing, y'all? I think I'm losing track. Falcons. We beat the Falcons uh, with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. So that's probably the best quarterback we've beaten this year. So I think we have to see this defense play, you know, beat a proven top-tier quarterback before we can call them top five. I think we've benefited from a soft schedule, I mean, the NFC East schedule, and we just haven't been able to capitalize this year. And we'll uh, take this last one. How can we be? We pretty much said it when Matt Ryan carved in them. You hit it on the head, hit the nail on the head right there. You know what I mean? Defense is talking about top five, but, you know, it's time for them to prove it. Them boys so, overrated. Right. That's what, he, what did J.D. say? What, we're not a championship defense? <laughs> one day, look, I'll be wrong sometimes. Though. One day y'all going to catch some of these gems I'll be dropping because I told y'all a while back, a long time ago, that this was not a playoff defense, and I got I got killed for it. I got crucified for it. So, hey, all right. Well, there you uh, have it. Um, we we're going to break down the Buffalo game tonight, but we're not going to get to that. I mean, I think you know. We'll, what's the we point of breaking that shit down? We know what's about to happen in Buffalo, right? You know, we don't even know if Josh Allen going to play, but does it even matter at this point? I think he came out. They said it was just turf toes. He'll probably be playing uh, Sunday if he needs to. But, you know, thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. You guys got any final comments before we call it a night? I have nothing. I'm done watching this team every Sunday. I'm going to start enjoying my Sundays. I'll I'll probably go to the gun range next Sunday around 1 o'clock. I'm going to go shoot off my nine, shoot off my judge, shoot off my, my Mossberg. Have a good time, man. But <laughs> I'm being I'm being real with y'all. I'm going to enjoy my Sunday next week. I'm not about to keep tuning into this team today. Show me something different. Not going to make that plane trip up to Buffalo and sit in the snow and watch the Panthers? Yeah, well, as far as me um... – I always want to thank our fans, everybody supporting the four-man rush. We love you guys. We appreciate you. You know, we don't always see eye to eye. But, um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm a sucker for this damn team, man. I'm, I'm I'm feeling some kind of way now, but probably around Saturday night I'll be uh, be getting excited, looking forward to seeing what we do against Buffalo. Like I said, it's, it's my heart versus my mind when it comes to this team and, and you know, like I say, I'm, I'm already in draft mode. Um, if we didn't come out and beat Atlanta in a convincing way, um, that let me know that, um, that, uh, we, we, we not that team. We're not ready. So. Hey, well, you a traveling man. You ain't going to make that trip to Buffalo and sit in that snow and watch this team. <laughs> nah, my last travel will be, uh, the last game of the season at Tampa. You know, I'm gonna go down there and for the game January 9th and, uh, Enjoy some of that 75, 80-degree weather in January that they known to have in Tampa. So I'll uh, 
I've been in the game for that strictly for vacation purposes. More so, you know, yeah, I'm going to be at the game, but <laughs> at that point, it's whatever. <laughs> I'm be there to ensure our top 10 draft pick. I put it like that. I just play against the <laughs> shit, the Bucks sit their starters and make you actually get the witness a win. <laughs> anyway, man, thank you everybody for uh, tuning in tonight. If you weren't able to uh, catch it podcast tonight, you know, it'll be up on iTunes, Spotify, Omni, and we'll have a more product, uh, edited version on YouTube produced later this week. As always, appreciate y'all support. Game Sunday, so 1 p.m. game, Cal. Yeah, it's a 1 p.m. game. Yep, so 1 p.m. on the road at Buffalo. So see how we go. We got four more of these. You know, let's try to tough it out, finish this season, and get ready for what comes this or what comes next. So as always, keep pounding. See y'all next week after the game. Y'all keep pounding. I love y'all.